Chapter 6, Glacis. Reason sits cross-legged in the wooded area adjacent to Mariah's well-hidden underground safe house. The large park area looks like it hasn't seen a day of upkeep in decades. The overgrowth makes it feel like a small forest far away from city life. Gavagai lay across Reason's lap as he prays under his breath. I am happiest when I can commune with nature. The nature that you've provided us here on this earth. When I'm here, it seems as though everything is right. My problems disappear. The animals remind us that life can be simple, unrushed. Father, I thank you for the companions that you've brought our way, for the new family that I found in the opposition. Strengthen us and protect us, as you do the animals of the earth. A small doe is grazing in the distance. It quickly raises its head, then bolts off as if startled by something. Reason continues. You are powerful enough alone to stop the evil on this earth, but you choose to use us, mere people, to do the work of... Reason's eyes open abruptly. He listens. Nothing. After a few seconds, he continues to pray. To do the work of... With lightning-quick speed, Reason stands, extending Gavagai. He dodges an arrow that whistles past his shoulder. Reason scans the woods, remaining quiet. Two metal objects streak in his direction. This time he is ready, blocking both with a titanium rod. One of the objects slides underneath the brush a few yards away. The other sinks deep in the trunk of an oak tree. It is a throwing star. Reason puts his back against the tree, limiting how much of his body he will have to protect on his own. Where are you? From his left, Fui Lin tries to surprise him with a series of ninja-style kicks and punches. Her first kick catches Reason by surprise, hitting him squarely in the wrist, causing him to drop his weapon. She presses, forcing him on the defensive. But he manages to block her attacks, allowing his training to control his reflexes. He catches her wrist and twists her into a half-lock that she could easily get out of. My turn. Come on now. You wouldn't hit a girl, would you? Reason pushes Fui Lin back and performs a roundhouse kick. She ducks, but he uses her crouched body as a table, rolling over her back to back and then brings his knee up into her chest. She artfully blocks it and comes up with her elbow, catching him in the chin, sending him back. She immediately presses him, not giving him a moment to recover. Her third kick is caught in the air. Reason uses his strength to drive her off balance, and she falls to the ground. He smiles at his latest move, but she uses her legs to wrap tightly around his, causing him to stumble off balance and fall to the ground. <laughs> Jean-Claude walks into the opening, clapping, with his crossbow flung over his shoulder. Bravo! <laughs> nice show! <laughs> so I do wish it would have lasted a little longer. Uh, Paul Reesing... You do seem to have quite the luck with the women, don't you? <laughs> Very funny. It was a nice touch to coordinate an attack like that. I can see that your arrows are flying straighter. My crossbow still needs a little tweaking. It'll be a while before I find the right sight again. Kilroy really bent it in our last encounter, but not as bad as that. If Fuelin bent you, I see. <laughs> yeah? Well, why don't you try taking her on? Eh, why don't you come over here and let me put you in a headlock? I'm sure we could wrestle for a while. Uh, no thanks, Cher. Unlike racing, 
I do have a problem with uh, throwing kicks at a person of the uh, a female persuasion, if you know what I mean. Uh, my mother brought me up well. Oh, well now I know your weakness. But of course, if I were uh, put to the test, I may have to do something drastic. Drastic? We, oui. nothing lethal. Uh, Maybe just um, shoot her in the kneecap or something? Fui Lin gets to her feet and walks slyly over to Jean-Claude. Well, that's why I wear metal shin guards. Just in case some French bimbo tries something. Did you just call me a bimbo? Before Jean-Claude can react, Fui Lin grabs him, flips him over her back, and he lands on the ground. She mockingly puts her foot on his chest and her hands on her hips, indicating complete victory. Yeah, I think I did. You know you should always be on your guard, Jean-Claude. You never know when a member of the female persuasion may take you by surprise. Touché. Reason walks over while recovering his weapon. Good one, Fuilin. How many people have ever trusted you twice? She gives an innocent smile, raising her eyebrows as if to shrug. Okay, you come let me up. Now, <sighs> On the makeshift dinner table inside of the opposition's hideout, Mariah straightens a street map that she and Trevor, Manuel's helper, are looking at intently. In the background, Susan is trying to communicate with Stephen, the 11-year-old mute boy that travels with Fui Lin. There's no way of telling how much time we have before the unleashing. For all we know, it may have already started. Whatever the case, I think we'd better hit them before they come at us again. Now that we have a force, we may be able to make a convincing counteroffensive. I like the way you think. Only thing left to do is find them. I believe they are close. I rule out the Upper West Side. I think they would operate best in a more populated area. Well, what about here? I don't know. We've been through there. Seems like it's a concentrated residential area. I don't think it's likely that they would confine themselves to a location where they'd stick out like a sore thumb. If there's one thing I've learned in my years in intelligence, it's misdirection. First, you don't pick an obvious place, even if it is well hidden. Rather, some place where others would last choose to look. Then you leak information about a well-hidden facility in a logical location. That way, you keep your enemies guessing. It could take years before they find out it was just a ruse just to throw them off. But if I were to set up a new hideout, I think that would be the perfect place. It's unassuming, yet it provides quick access to all the major roads. I also know that this area used to be a place where the militia would use as a safe haven during the Civil War. Well, what are you getting at? Underground tunnels here and here. Potential bomb shelters in this area here. This whole place was leveled years ago, and now families play on top of an underground network that may span over a mile in each direction. Wow. You are a good man to have around, aren't you? Then I'll start here. You? Don't you mean we? I work alone on these details. Now you get to see what I do best. If they're there, I'll know where inside a week. Susan? Could you gather the others? I think it's time for a plan. Something tells me it's a good thing to have you around as well. 
Cloaked in ceremonial robes, Vincent Stiles walks in the center of the meeting hall deep in the Dominion headquarters on the eastern side of the United States. The first order of business was to change all records of his birth name from Vincent Stiles to Vincent Rufus. Within the next two weeks, it would be like Vincent Stiles fell off the face of the earth. He can no longer contact loved ones, his place of business, access any financial holdings from his previous life, or speak with anyone who has ever known him. His new life begins now, and he seems to be fine with it, soaking up every second of admiration. Sylvia is honored that her location was chosen for the ceremony, but tries to hide her frustration when Shannara boldly places the crown on Vincent's head and takes the position at his side. He doesn't stop her. He sits on what looks like a modern-day throne as Shannara stands in front of the seat next to him. Has Shannara asserted herself to become his second? Sylvia knows that if Vincent joins with her, that this will be so. She knows that he can choose more than one mate, but the first one chosen will always be the highest in position, second only to himself. Herrick stands off to the side, observing, next to Agravain, motioning with his head towards Shannara. Keep an eye on that one, Agravain. Anyone who would make herself second, without the prompting of the master, shouldn't be trusted. Look at her. She has him eating out of her hand. I'd like to introduce Vincent Rufus. He is the chosen one that will usher in the unleashing. With this ceremony, he will be given a new name. From this day forward, he will no longer be known as Vincent Rufus, but only as Glacus. Look upon your new master. Look upon... sit down. Shannara looks shocked. She has never been interrupted before, or even worse, told what to do. Sit. Shannara sits, and the newly named Glacus stands addressing the audience. Who do you say that I am? Everyone looks at each other puzzled, almost afraid to answer, wondering if it is a trick question. Harwin breaks the silence. Our diviners have told us that you are the one. The one who will usher in the unleashing. You are the wise. You are the powerful. No one can stand against you. You are the master, the master of Hades. And you, Shannara, who do you say that I am? You, you are the one who will change everything, who will crush the opposition and bring in the new order. You are the Antichrist. Fools. Fools, all of you. You don't even know who I am, but you will. Prepare yourselves. We have much work to do. And the first order of business is to finally complete what you all have seemingly remained unable to do. Eliminate the opposition. I think I'm beginning to like him. Trevor stands next to Reason, who has somehow become the leader and spokesman of the group. As all of the opposition and the respective helpers gather for the briefing... Reason begins to explain each person's role. Mariah is the only one not present. When we hear back from Mariah, we'll have to immediately take action. Trevor and I have come up with a plan of attack that will hit the Dominion quick and hard. If we all work together, we should be able to pull this off without a hitch and, God willing, destroy the Dominion Empire once and for all. We have a three-tiered attack plan. Surveil, contain, and destroy. Olivia and Manuel, you will both head the surveillance detail. 
Trevor has provided us with concealed communication equipment with which we can talk with each other as long as we stay within one mile radius of each other. You both will be our eyes on the onset. Mariah, Fuilin, Jean-Claude, and myself will contain the facility. We'll lock down the outside so that no one can leave. Then we will unleash a coordinated attack like they've never seen. Make no mistake, it will be difficult. But we have two things in our favor that the Dominion hasn't calculated. We have God on our side, and we have the element of surprise. When Mariah returns, we have to be ready. Now, are there any questions before I go into the details of this operation? Good, then let's get started. Mariah stands in line at Minority Trust Incorporated, a mid-sized bank positioned within what Mariah believes to be the Dominion target area. She is the next in line, waiting as the attendant concludes a phone call. You're welcome and have a nice day. Next. Good morning, ma'am. Will you be making a deposit or a withdrawal today? Well, I guess that depends. I'm fairly new in the area, and I wonder if you've seen any new buildings or anything strange crop up in the area within the last few weeks. I couldn't say. There is a new fishery opening down the street. That's not the kind of activity I'm talking about. I was told that there was a one-block area that was purchased by a wealthy statesman. Hear anything about it? Ma'am, I'm here to service minority trust customers. If you're not here to do banking business, I can't help you. Oh, I'm here to do business, all right. How about a deposit directly into your account? Mariah flashes a $100 bill. Oh, you don't say. I, I think I might be able to help you after all. Not ten feet away, pretending to fill out deposit forms is Sasha, one of the higher-ranking Dominion operatives. She's been following Mariah ever since she was spotted by one of the operatives within the sector grid. After hearing the information, she slowly slinks out of the establishment without being spotted. Glacus's private chambers are surprisingly modest. It would seem that he doesn't wish anything to distract him when he is alone. But right now, he isn't alone. Herrick stands, not looking Glacus directly in the eye as they speak. You don't seem exactly like the rest of your Dominion constituents. Not one to blindly follow the flock? What makes you say that? There are some things I just know. Then maybe there are some things you can explain to me. If you're not the one, if you're not the Antichrist, who are you? I am the one crying out in the wilderness. Make way for the master. I am he who precedes the one you speak of. Though I am no ordinary man, I've been given privilege. What do you mean? I'm able to see things. I know things. Knowledge that you and the others need a medium to acquire. That's how I know about you. I know everything about you, William Bryce. And I'd like to make you my first in command. That's a name I haven't heard in years. I would be honored to serve. Then begin by turning over to me your champion. I have plans for Agravain. Also, gather the others in the upper rooms and begin your incantations. We should be expecting the opposition soon. Here? Where else? 
But I thought... Leave the thinking to me. Trust me, they will be here. And we'll be ready to roll out the red carpet. The door to the room opens on its own before Sasha has a chance to knock. Startled but trying not to show it, she enters the room, bowing as she does. You were right, Glacus. It won't be long. When I do something, I like to do it right the first time. So to ensure that every variable is completely covered, I'm going to need every operative in the state to be on full alert. Just in case they do something unexpected. I want to have every area in this state covered with operatives, ready to respond at my command. Sasha, you will coordinate this. Me? Do this, and you will become Herrick's new champion, the first woman to assume the role. I'm sure you won't object. Sasha smiles. Herrick narrows his eyes. Mariah crouches for cover behind a row of bushes, thinking she's found the Dominion headquarters for eastern United States. It is an apartment complex that sits next to a rusted-out playground of all things. She can't tell if there are red wisps emanating from the building or if it's just the reflection of the red sky. The low-income neighborhood keeps away prying eyes. Well, it usually does. But Mariah begins to wipe down the lens of her binoculars to take a better look. Well... It looks like this could be the place. This must be a new record. Two days. I thought it'd take at least a week to track down this place. All this thanks to an honest banker. I didn't think they existed anymore. It's quite large. Well, time to gather some intel for Trevor. Through her high-powered binoculars, she sees what looks like vagrants milling around the building. But with closer inspection, they are Dominion operatives guarding the perimeter. She flips a switch on the binoculars, setting it to photo mode. Smile. You're on candid camera. As she pans the binoculars toward the apartment complex, she notices a second-story window that is opened wide enough that she thinks she can fit through. She clicks a photo and goes in to see if she can make it unnoticed to the window. It wasn't easy. It took an hour of waiting for the guard rotation to change before she could make a break for the window. And even then, she had only a 30-second window to sprint 20 yards to the fire escape. She climbs quickly and squeezes through the window that was open only because it has malfunctioned. It is down as far as it could go, but Mariah uses her thin body to bend and twist her way through the opening with only a few seconds to spare before another guard would have been in her line of sight. The duct system is even larger than the ones from Herrick's hideout, but they could use a good cleaning. She shuffle slides through, checking vents as she goes to see if there is any activity that she could photograph, but there doesn't seem to be much. When she approaches a third vent, she notices a man looking through a cracked door. It looks like he is eavesdropping. She can't ID him because his back is to her, but with her binoculars, she can make out a man through the cracked opening. It's Glacus, but she has never seen him before. He is talking to another person she can't see. Mariah puts in a small earpiece she got from Trevor and points the unidirectional microphone at the doorway. She smiles when her tech actually seems to work. And you, you will be the ace in the hole. When it is finished, you will perform the rebirth. These mortals don't understand. They think the unleashing is a mere event. They can't see that their faith is misplaced. The unleashing isn't an event. It is a being. And it is already here. 
when I stand in the sacred place of Israel. They will know. Everyone will know. Moriah turns pale. She's heard enough to know that she has heard too much. She can't afford to be found. The information that she possesses is just too valuable to the opposition. She leaves. The man that Mariah couldn't ID, the one who was eavesdropping with his back to her, seems to have heard enough as well. He turns to leave, but before he can get a safe distance away, Sasha notices him. It's Jared, Reason's uncle. Are you lost, Jared? I just need to bring a message to the master. It can wait. He seems to be indisposed at the moment. Jared tries to leave in an unrushed, inconspicuous manner. He hopes he was convincing. Sasha watches him somewhat unconvinced. Inside Mariah's hideout, she sits at a table being debriefed. All of the opposition are present, listening intently to her report. And he said that the unleashing is not an event, but a person. That he is that person. Have we failed at stopping the unleashing? Not if we destroy him. These photos are outstanding. We have a view of the entire complex. Guard postings, concealed entrances, everything. We have everything we need to conduct a calculated strike against the Dominion. How long will it take to process the information? Maybe an hour and a half. Hour if I hurry. Please do, and let me know when you've finished. Then we go. Reason stands to leave, but pauses as Susan approaches him. Reason, I have a bad feeling about this. Are you sure you need to do this today? We don't have time to wait. We must act now. Reason, I'm afraid for you. Can't we wait just one day? Susan, I appreciate your concern, but the longer we wait, the less vulnerable the Dominion will be. We are ready. We have to move now. And at least we know that they won't see us coming. Reason, there is one other thing. Our time may be more limited than you think. I think that their leader is planning to leave for Israel. Something is supposed to happen there. Something big. More reason for us to take care of things now, eh? I'll work on coordinating the surveillance detail with Trevor. Me too. It'll be nice to finally put a face to this mysterious complex that everyone's talking about. Saddle up, then. Reason walks by Susan, determined to avenge his mother, determined to end this once and for all. Everything is quiet. Civilian activity is low, and dusk is approaching. The six opposition can now clearly see light wisps of red engulfing the complex. Olivia motions to Manuel to take the high ground as she adjusts the communicator in her ear. Manuel, search the east side. I'll take the west. We need to make sure the area is secure before heading in. Got it. I count two figures on the ground level and one on the roof. They don't look armed, but I'm sure they are. Still fairly low security if we're in the right place. Same thing here, Manuel. And they don't seem to be doing much by way of looking out. If it weren't for the wispy forms of red around this complex, I'd be sure we're in the wrong place. But it's everywhere. Okay, Mariah and Reason, come in from the north. If you're quiet and low, they shouldn't see or hear you. You should be able to take them out with little problem. Jean-Claude and Fuilin, you enter from the east under Manuel's watchful eye. Manuel watches Fuilin through his binoculars. Though the rules of engagement have changed, knowing that they may have to kill, they still don't want to end the life of any operative unless absolutely necessary. 
Fui Lin jumps the two on the ground. She quickly knocks one of them out from behind with a blow to the back of the neck, then throws one of her throwing stars that catches another in the neck, disabling a speech. With two quick moves, she takes him out. Once disabled, she clasps her hands and feet with zip ties, noticing that both are carrying semi-automatic concealed weapons. Manuel pans over to where Jean-Claude is, who sneaks up behind an operative on a roof and puts him in a chokehold, lowering him slowly to the surface. Clear. Olivia follows Reason with her binoculars. He quickly takes out two operatives with Gavagai. She pans to the roof and watches Marat kick the operative in the back of the knee, buckling him to her level as she puts him in the chokehold, rendering him unconscious. She stands, giving Olivia a thumbs up. Clear here as well, mate. This is almost too easy. Manuel, I guess it's our turn. Let's go. In the upper levels of the complex, Herrick and Harwin close their eyes in deep concentration. We have company. Mariah joins Reason, watching him use a slender piece of metal to jar open one of the windows on the third floor of the complex. The room is large, but there isn't much by way of furniture. It looks like a storage area. They both take out their weapons. Watch for anything that moves. Where Manuel and Olivia find an opening as well and seem to slip in unnoticed. Now converge to the center and take out anything along the way. Remember your escape routes and our rendezvous point. Keep your eyes sharp and your weapons sharper. I think we're in for a bumpy ride. Mariah and Reason take a few steps into a large room. I don't like this. Something's not right. As if appearing from the shadows in the rafters, Manitou jumps, landing in front of Mariah. Like her, his wounds are totally healed. There goes our surprise advantage. Agravain appears from the shadows as if walking through a portal, blocking their path to the window. He isn't wearing his usual armored battle gear, and his muscles seem more pronounced than usual. It's a trap! Everyone coordinate at our rendezvous. Our surprise attack has been blown. Reason charges Agravain, working him over with the staff before he can even get out his sword. A blow to his gut and then to his chin presses Agravain against the window, cracking it. Agravain feebly swings his arm at the staff, trying to keep it at bay. Mariah runs toward Manituk, and just when he is about to strike, she slides low between his legs and cuts deep into his left ankle with her sword. His leg gives as he falls to one knee, almost pinning Mariah under him. She is fast enough to slip from under his girth. She stands, swinging at his head, but he blocks her sword with his while twisting his body in a better position to defend. Jean-Claude and Fuilin retreat toward the window from which they entered, but Deuce is on the other side, pushing it open forcefully, cracking it as he does. The destroyer appears next to the open door in the room. Almost by instinct, Jean-Claude fires a bolt that sinks into the destroyer's shoulder. Fuilin rolls low, tossing a throwing star, striking Deuce in the hand. Fighting the pain, he forces his body through the window, immediately jumping on Jean-Claude's back, knocking the crossbow that he was loading to the floor. Fui Lin tries to hide her fear as she faces off with a destroyer. Olivia is on high alert. She slams her back against the bank of cabinets and looks around nervously. From behind the cabinets, the first appears from a shadowy portal, grabbing Olivia around her neck. I want to hear you scream for your god now. Or maybe I should send you to him. I'm gonna watch you die, along with your coward friends. Olivia! With sling loaded, 
Manuel loses a stone that strikes the first in the head, knocking him off balance as he loses his grip on Livia. She uses this advantage to flip him over on his back. With his arm still in her hand, she forcefully grinds her boot into his neck. Kraken appears from out of the shadows right behind Manuel. Manuel, behind you! Manuel dive rolls just in time, avoiding a death blow, then stumbles back to his feet. Reason, driven by anger and fear, seems to be getting the best of Agravain. Backing away, Agravain trips and falls to the floor. Reason continues to press, but Agravain is able to block his blow before they reach their mark. Reason kicks Agravain's sword arm, and the blade slides across the floor, leaving Agravain defenseless. This is for my mother. I'll show you more mercy than you showed her. I'll finish you quick. Reason decisively walks up on Agravain with staff held high. As he does, he hears the audible voice of Glacus, but he doesn't see him. Awaken, my pet. Come forth from the abyss. Pausing momentarily, Reason looks around trying to find the source of the sound. Mariah hears it too. She glances at Reason, seeing it before he does. Almost in slow motion, she watches in horror as Agravain's body buckles and lurches. His muscles grow even larger. His body expands. He is transforming. What in the world? Reason! Stunned at the sight, Reason watches Agravain's twisted body begin to stand. Snapping out of it, Reason drives his staff toward Agravain's temple, but it is swatted away with little effort. Reason takes a few steps back. Even Manitou pauses to see the transformation. Reason hears bones buckle and crack, allowing for Agarin's chest to widen. He grows a foot taller. Mariah notices Agarin's feet pop out of his torn boot. His toes appear claw-like. Agarin bends over in pain, grabbing his abdomen. As he does, his back bursts open, allowing a large set of bat wings to emerge. When he looks back in the direction of Reason, his face is fully transformed. He no longer looks human, but demonic, visceral, and more menacing than anything Reason has ever seen. The creature backhands Reason, sending him falling hard, landing near Mariah. Manitou turns his attention toward Mariah. He watches as she helps Reason to his feet. We'll finish this fight later. We can't leave the way we came. Let's go! Mariah and Reason sprint for the door. Fui Lin kicks hard, sending the destroyer crashing through the door. He lands on his back, more angry than hurt, as he breaks off the arrow stuck in his chest. Deuce has Jean-Claude in a chokehold. Jean-Claude elbows him in the chest as hard as he can in rapid succession. Each strike grows weaker as he begins to lose consciousness. So, you kill Kilroy, huh? You don't seem so tough to me. You'll learn as you pass into the afterlife that no one is a match for the deuce. Eh? Maybe that's because you haven't met the right girl. Deuce looks up to see Fui Lin's foot slam into his face. He loses his grip and Jean-Claude lands on the floor. His eyes are glassed over as he tries to catch his breath. The destroyer balances himself in the doorway. Fui Lin grabs Deuce by the head, bringing it down as she slams her knee into his face three times, sending him to the floor. Let's get out of here. We have to meet the others at the rendezvous point. Jean-Claude nods with his hand covering his throat. They both hurry toward the window before the two champions can take up position. Kraken knees Manuel in the gut and gives him an uppercut to the face. He grabs Manuel's shirt roughly and flings him through the already broken window. 
Manuel falls two stories and lands in a broken heap. Kraken approaches the window, ready to finish him off. But before he can, Olivia's boomerang glances off his head and sails out the window. He turns, rubbing his injured skull. First, hold her for me. Mariah and Reason think they've eluded Manatuk and the reborn Agravain after ducking into one of the rooms for a few moments. Once they think it is safe, they hurry down the hallway leading to the west wing of the building. Mariah begins to feel like the inside of the structure is much larger than it appears on the outside. As they make their way toward where they think the exit might be, they move through a large room that looks like a factory-sized laboratory. Did you hear that? Let's just hide, quick, there. They slip behind one of the computer consoles just before Agravain pushes the door open. He sniffs the air. Outside of the complex, Fui Lin helps Jean-Claude around the building to where the vehicles are hidden. Jean-Claude sees what looks like a crumpled body lying far to the right. Wait. There. Manuel! Agravain, in his new demonic form, finds it a little difficult to maneuver with his large wings, clipping lab stations and testing equipment even in this large room. His bony nose sniffs the air again as he looks back and forth. He'll find us soon. Ready to fight? Ready. Mariah and Reason spring from behind the council. Reason extends Gavagai as they try to flank the creature. Before they can get into position, Agravain leaps high into the air, almost touching the ceiling, then nearly lands on Reason, who dive rolls out of the way. Mariah charges and tries to slash at the exposed back, but the creature is too quick, grabbing the sword in mid-swing. It seems to hurt him, but his new tough hide prevents the stroke from taking off his hand. He just holds the blade, looking at her. He uses his new strength to throw her and the blade back against the gurney. She slides, falling, almost knocking over a large water tank. Reason swipes his leg at Agravain's feet, clipping him and sending him falling hard on the floor. Reason realizes that his large room with all of his lights and high-tech equipment has a power source within the room on a bank against the wall. He holds his weapon as if it is a javelin. Before Agravain gets to his feet, he hoists his weapon toward the power source, striking its main conductors, causing it to spark and sputter. The lights to this room flicker out and all the monitors power down. Gavagai lands on the floor, retracting as it does. It is surprisingly dark in this room, which has no windows and only one door that is visible. Reason can't see Agravain, but Agravain can't see him either. After a few moments, Agravain watches the door swing open, letting in light, indicating that someone must have left the room. Fui Lin is on her motorbike, while Manuel and Jean-Claude are in the 4x4. Fui Lin looks inside the vehicle to see Jean-Claude at the steering wheel. Manuel is unconscious. Are you sure you can drive? I can drive. We'll be alright. Let's just go. Just follow me. I'll be alright. As long as I can stay focused on the road. Jean-Claude looks over at the bloodied and unconscious Manuel. Wearing bad shape, my friend. Bad shape. I hope the others made it out okay. 
Agravain kicks the door of the experimentation room wide open in frustration. It is dark inside, but the hallways are lit. He looks both ways, sniffs the air, and lumbers off. Deep in the darkness of the room he just left, Mariah makes her presence known. Great. He bought the misdirection. Trevor would be impressed. Reason? Mariah, are you okay? Yeah. Good move with the lights. How did you know that that box was only powering this room? I saw that it was powering the council and just hoped. Where are you? Here. I found something. Come over here. What'd you find? A vent. Reason moves toward the sound of Mariah's voice, bumping into objects on his way. Gavagai, one object of interest, he recovers before he reaches Mariah. The vent is high, but with a little ingenuity, they are able to take off the cover, help each other inside, and begin crawling. Reason leads the way. There isn't enough room for them to move side by side. Get your foot out of my face. Sorry, I don't spend too much time in vents. I feel like I'm a sardine. (sighs) Can't you go any faster? Shh, I think I hear something. Look, this path leads to the torture chamber. Can you hear that? Let's check it out. After a good ten minutes, Reason and Mariah finally make their way to what they think is some sort of torture chamber. Reason has a pang of recognition from when he was once tortured in a room similar to this one. It takes a little twisting and maneuvering to see clearly in the room, but once he can, he notices the first, one of the Dominion champions with his hand around Olivia's throat. Kraken is there also, smiling. There are other dark figures in the room, but they remain silent. I'm gonna watch you die. Glacus and Herrick enter the room. Don't touch her. Both of you go search for the others. They're probably still in the building, but we'll need her alive until we know for sure. I want every one of the opposition's heads, and I want them before the sun goes down. Do you understand? Then what are you waiting for? Go! Reason watches helplessly from behind the vent, high and along the wall of the torture chamber. Olivia has been captured. Dominion champions the First and Kraken walk out of the room, leaving Glacus, Herrick, and a few cloaked figures remaining with Olivia. What do you see? Reason, what do you see? Are you all right? Yeah, it's just this headache. It just came on me about 20 minutes ago, and it's gotten worse. I hope it's not from my connection with Jean-Claude. All of us are in pain right now, Reason. But this is the time when we have to focus. These are the times that test a person. Now focus, Reason, and tell me what's going on in that room. They've got Olivia. Do you see any entry points? Just the door, which is well guarded. Is that Glacus, the one you were talking about? The unleashing? I can't see. Let me up there. Mariah? Where was God in all of this? How could we have not known that this was a trap? We can discuss that later. Right now we have to concentrate on getting Olivia out of there. There might not be a later. Mariah, was God even here today? What are you talking about? God is everywhere. 
then why did we lose? Why didn't we know about this? Why weren't we prepared? What makes you think I have all those answers? I'm not God. No, I guess you're not. But if I had to guess, it's because we didn't gird this in prayer. We were all so focused on accomplishing the mission that we didn't consult the Lord of the mission. You're right. It's my fault as much as anyone's, but we can't do anything about that now. It's in the past. We have to deal with now. You're right. We do. Mariah, give me your hand. What? Just give me your hand. Reason grabs Mariah's hand a bit tighter than she expected. Lord, forgive me for not calling upon you before we began this mission. We were all so focused on the mission. My anger of Agravain drove me to want to kill him for what he'd done to my mother. We didn't consult you. All of our plans are in vain without you. Forgive me, Lord, and be with us now. The darkness has one of our own. We have to get her back. I don't even know what has become of the rest of us. Just use me now, Lord. I don't care if I die now. Just use me to stop the unleashing. To stop Glacus. Reason continues to pray as Glacus hovers over the captured Olivia. He is about to press her for answers when he pauses in mid-thought. Someone is praying in this building, and they're not praying to me. The opposition is still here. Herrick, have the witches consult the mediums. We need to weed them out. And bring me Agravane. I think he'll bring us the desired effect I need with this one. Yes, Master. Inside the opposition's hideout, Susan is startled by the ring of the phone. Trevor and Stephen follow her to listen in on the conversation. Reason? No, it's me, Susan. We failed in our mission. They set a trap. They knew we were coming. Where's Reason? I don't know. So far, I only know that I, Jean-Claude, and Manuel made it out. And Manuel is in bad shape right now. We're headed toward the rendezvous to see if anyone else made it. Keep the phone close, and keep us in your prayers. Susan, Trevor, and Stephen join hands and bow their heads in earnest prayer. Lord, we need you now. Please, Lord, hear us. Glacus turns his attention toward Olivia, gloating over his partial victory. Thank you for living. If you had died, I couldn't use you to find the others. That's right. You will bring them to me. Who are you linked to? Ah, Jean-Claude. Then he will lead the rest back to me. And you, my dear, will be the bait. I will kill myself before you use me against the others. And how do you plan to do that? I'll pray for death, and the Lord will set me free. Oh, you'll pray for death, all right. But believe me, you won't get it until I say you will. Agravain squeezes through the door. Olivia's eyes grow wide. She can't believe what she's seeing. Never has she seen such an abomination. Agravain, feeding time. Only don't kill her. We need her alive. Reason's heart falls at those words. Now, we need to go now. Wait, can't you see those figures in the corners? We won't get ten feet before they're all over us. 
If that's what happens, so be it. I will not watch Olivia get tortured to death. If she is praying for death, I want to see her face it on her feet. Listen, I feel the same way you do. But we have to watch for the right moment. We don't have to die here. We can free her and ourselves. She may be in pain for a little while, but they won't kill her. We must wait for the right time. Reason can't believe what he is hearing. He remembers being in Olivia's place and shudders at the knowledge of what must be going through her mind right now. Reason, I've been doing this for over 10 years. Believe me, I'm right. I know it's hard, but you have to look all the way through to the end, not at the means. We'll get her back alive. If it helps, turn your head. Just don't look. Mariah cradles Reason's head to her chest. A tear falls from her eye as Reason grows numb. He doesn't know what to think, but part of him believes her. They will get her back alive, but at what cost? God, this can't be happening. Agravain, she's yours. I release her to you. Agravain charges. While driving, Jean-Claude feels a sudden rush of pain from his link to Olivia. The truck swerves wildly, careening off the path and rolling twice before it comes to a rest on its side. Fui Lin slams on her brakes, turning to see the wreckage. Jean-Claude's body shakes violently as if he is having a seizure. His eyes roll in the back of his head. Fui Lin arrives at his window in total shock. She doesn't know if he's having the seizure because of the accident or something else. Are you all right? Jean-Claude, talk to me. Is it Olivia, your link? Jean-Claude, no! Stay with me! Oh, God, no! (laughs) The sounds of Olivia's torture shake both Mariah and Reason to the core. I can't take it anymore. Then as suddenly as it began, the torture stops. I said I didn't want to be disturbed. Who is at the door? Jared opens the door, entering sheepishly, decked out in ceremonial robes. Uncle Jared? How long do we have to wait? A little longer. This could be our break. What do you want? It is urgent, my master. Reason and others have been cornered off on the east wing. Uh, The others are asking for your assistance. I was sent at once to retrieve you. They sent you? Why didn't one of the head warlocks come to convey this to me? I never talk directly to the lower operatives, unless I find them exceptional, and you are far from that. They have their hands full, Master. They didn't know exactly how to handle the situation. It seems that your plan has worked. This one has lured them back. Hmm, and sooner than I expected. We will take care of this once and for all, and then I will have my victory. Agravain, all of you, come with me. Wait, I want you two to stand guard. Just in case. They leave the room as Jared closes the door behind them. He and another operative were chosen to stand guard. As the other operative takes up position by the door, Jared suddenly pulls out a small club from his sleeve and violently beats the other operative over the head. It only takes two blows to knock him out, but Jared slams him twice more to make sure. He rushes over to free the broken and battered Olivia. I'm sorry I didn't get here sooner. Please, live. Reason kicks out the vent cover and jumps down to floor level, followed by Mariah. Jared turns cold with fear, 
but is relieved to see that it is only his nephew. Uncle Jared. Bartholomew. Bartholomew? Come on, hurry. We don't have much time. They'll be back soon. Reason told us that you were working for the Dominion. How can we trust you? Well, if you were held up in that vent for very long, you'll know that I risked my life to free her. Isn't that proof enough? We haven't got time to talk now. Do you know a quick way out of here? Grab her arm and follow me. Uh, oh. Glacus, Agravane, and four robed operatives make their way toward the east wing, but before they reach their destination, Glacus begins to sense that something isn't right. Tricked by a low-level operative. Sound the alarm, seal off all the exits, and have the resident operatives report to headquarters. We'll sweep this entire building. I want you to find Jared, and when you do, kill him. Herrick, along with several other head warlocks, look at five surveillance monitors. An operative switches the feeds between rooms and hallways until they see Mariah, Reason, and Jared helping the severely injured Olivia down a corridor. There he is, and I see he's recruited some help for his escape, Reason and Mariah. We need to funnel them into the Hellion Quadrant. The Hellion Quadrant? Besides us, no human has ever crossed into that quadrant. This is sacrilege! You will do as I say, Shannara. They may be the only human eyes to ever see the Hellions, but they will not live to tell about it. Shannara looks at him sternly as if to defy his authority. It is no secret how I feel towards you, Shannara. I'm just waiting, hoping you will give me a reason to send you to the pit. You wouldn't. The other operatives stop what they're doing momentarily to witness the confrontation. The choice is yours. Now do as I command. Herrick takes a couple of steps toward her. Do as I command, or die. Reason and Mariah quickly follow Jared down a series of hallways. Successfully avoiding operatives, Jared unwittingly is funneled toward the Hellion Quadrant. Olivia is being carried now. She is unconscious, slumped over Reason's shoulder. They reach the hallway leading to the Hellions, and Jared knows he made a grave mistake. We can't go in there. Why not? The Hellions. Hellions? And no one has ever seen them, but they're said to be demons, abominable creatures, the ones they use in the pit. They're said to be the most fierce and ferocious of all demons. Well, they've sealed off all the other sections. What do you suggest? If we go back. We can't go back. Didn't you just hear her? We go back. I'd rather die on the rack or even tortured by Dylan than go in there. You do as you want, but we're going in. Reason, Olivia, and Mariah make their way cautiously inside. The hallway gradually expands and slopes downward into a deep cavernous space. They pass a series of what looks like security locks and warnings, but all of the doors are unlocked. As they pass the final barrier, the large area looks like a cave. Hairs stand on the back of Mariah's neck as she steps on bones. Human bones. There is no sign of life. Reason strains to see in the darkness. All he notices are red wisps covering most of the area. They slowly enter the central court. It is here that they realize that they have entered a sacrificial chamber. There are cages and shackles along the wall, but none are occupied. 
I don't like this. Jared stands at the entrance. He couldn't bring himself to follow. Every minute that passes heightens his anxiety. Taking a couple steps backwards, he is so afraid he can hardly talk. They can't go in there. No one has ever been in and lived. Reason and Mariah's pace is considerably slowed. They look around in disgust and bewilderment. What do you suppose they hold in those cells? I'd rather not think about it. What is that at the far side there? It looks like a door. What I wouldn't give for some of Jean-Claude's C4 explosives right now. Let's just move quickly. If there's anything to what Jared said, we're in grave danger standing here. Just as Mariah finishes her sentence, she feels a hand on her shoulder. She spins around, drawing her sword as she does. It is Jared, standing there, as white as a ghost. Change your mind? That door looks familiar. If it's what I think it is, it will ultimately lead to the courtyard. If they look for us there, I know of 101 ways to lose them. Let's go. In fear and anticipation, Jared runs toward the door. Reason begins to follow, but loses his hold on Olivia, who falls to the ground. Mariah picks her up. I've got her. Just go. Olivia looks around semi-conscious. Reason tries to keep up with Jared, believing that Mariah is right behind him. From nowhere, they hear the voice of Glacus. Mariah pauses on high alert. <laughs> like a fly in my spider's web. I wanted to say my farewells before you die. Any final words? Or maybe just a scream. The gate leading to where they came closes. The green indicator light on the sliding electronic metal door where Jared is running turns red. The lights in the cavern are lightly illuminated. Moriah looks around in stunned disbelief as the caverns with inside the cave are opening. She looks up to see an opening in the ceiling high above where she stands. The pit that Jared had mentioned earlier, they're in it. Come on, Olivia. I need you to use your legs now. Mariah helps Olivia to her feet as she tries to carry and drag her toward where Jared and Reason are. Creatures, several of them, even more twisted than Agravane, slink out of the darkened cavern, hissing and making their way forward. No two creatures are the same, but they all look as if they have come from the pit of hell. Jared pulls on the door with no effect. It's locked. It's locked. Game over. I win. Mariah and the semi-conscious Olivia are a good 30 yards away from Reason and Jared. Abominations of all sizes continue to creep out of the caverns. Jagged teeth, bony bodies, and a hungry appetite are the only physical attributes that they all have in common. Some have wings, some have multiple legs, and some have more than one head, but they all see their prey and begin closing in on Mariah and Olivia. The closest creature is more than 50 yards away, slinking along as if they're waiting to see what Mariah will do. In an instant, she makes a break for Jared and Reason. Turning his attention toward the door, Reason barks an order at Jared. Step back! Reason begins swinging Gavagai at the digital lock on the door. At first, no effect. But as the metal chastity begins to buckle and break, the red light flickers green. Not for long, but long enough for the door to open slightly. Jared squeezes through. Mariah is almost there. 
Reason forces his way through the door. The flickering indicator flashes between red and green, jostling the door to open a bit, then to close a bit. Reason tries to force the door open with his hands. He sees Mariah falter. The monsters begin to pick up speed. Mariah! Come on, girl, you can make it! Jared looks down the all-metal corridor. He knows there are about a half dozen ways to get to the courtyard from here. He almost makes a run for it, but turns to look at his nephew struggling to keep the door open. Through the opening, he sees the creatures closing fast. But as if by some miracle, it seems as though Mariah just may be able to make it. The Hellions! They're coming! Hellions? Those aren't the Hellions. These are the Hellions. Blackus and the Warlocks appear at the lip of the pit, looking down from the opening above and begin to chant. Almost as if in slow motion, many of the creatures that Reason thought were Hellions sink slightly into patches of ground that seem to come alive. Mariah feels it too. In one last-ditch effort, she leaps at Reason's hand, grabbing it. Before the creatures reach Mariah, the real Hellions, a growing mass of tentacles, begins to latch onto them and pull them deep into the inky mass. Reason quickly realizes that the demonic beings he thought were Hellions are used to feed the real Hellions. One of the tentacles wraps around Olivia's leg. The door flashes red again, closing it even more. Hold on, Mariah! Hold on! Mariah might be able to slip through, but she won't go without Olivia. Reason strange, trying to pull them both through the very narrow opening. But he is losing the tug of war. His arm gets jerked through the door, but he hasn't lost his grip. Olivia, I won't let you go! I can save you, Mariah, but I can't save you and Olivia. You have to let go. I will not sacrifice Olivia so that I may live. It's your only chance. You're slipping. In her hesitation, a tentacle wraps around her leg. The flickering lock flashes red, closing the door, almost pinning Reason's arm. Even if Mariah could free her leg, there is no way she can make it through the opening now. The tentacle is now at her waist. She looks up at Reason one last time. Remember me. The tentacles rend Mariah from Reason's grasp, plunging her and Olivia into the inky darkness. The force of the release jerks Reason's arm back through the opening. Come on, son, there's no time. We have to leave. Tentacles that ultimately connect to who knows what try to force their way through the opening of the door, but it is too narrow. More tentacles put pressure on the door as it begins to bow and buckle. Jared forcefully grabs Reason and drags him toward one of the exits. Reason's body grows numb. Jared takes over, pulling him along before Glacus can rally operatives to secure the courtyard. Tears stream down Reason's cheeks as he sits quietly on Mariah's bed for what seems like hours. Susan sits with him, comforting him, concerned not knowing how the past events will affect him long term. Jared stands close by, not knowing what to say. I can't believe I let them die. There's nothing you could have done. I was there. I saw. You did everything you could. But it wouldn't have been that way if we would have gone prayed up and ready in the spirit. We were taken totally off guard and I got two of our friends killed and two seriously wounded. 
Jared is right. You can't blame yourself for that. We all could have prayed up beforehand and made sure that God had gone before us. But I think we were all thinking with our heads and not our hearts. With all of us together like this, we may have gotten a little too prideful and have forgotten what's most important. We don't even have their bodies to bury. Reason, I say this as your uncle and your friend. You have to put this behind you. It's over. We will mourn their loss, but then we have to move on. The Dominion will not stop attacking us until we are all dead. There are still some of us alive. We can do nothing about the past, but we have to make sure that we're prepared for what is to come. Do you hear me, son? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. You're right. It's going to have to be the Holy Spirit working through me to help me move on from here and do what we have to do. But with God's help and yours, I know we can finish this. Our comrades have gone on to a better place now. And I know that from heaven, they're cheering us on. But we will miss you both, Mariah and Olivia. Olivia.